Hey ladies, how you doing out there, you gangsters and you senior citizens of the world? I just want to let you know that I'm here. I'm starting my new podcast with Anchor. It's free, so I thought, why not give it a try? There's creation tools there that allow you to edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute my podcast, so it will be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, at home. During the coronavirus epidemic, this is where we're going to be. So, it's a mandatory call to action that we... Take anchor. About his late mother, I was rereading uh, her book, Raising Kanye, Dr. Don DeWest, who taught African American literature at Morris Brown College and taught at Chicago State. And another ancestor must be sick to her heart to see a son who is so clearly mentally challenged, uh, who's clearly got some health, some health challenges, I would say, really just dissemble like that. The only other thing I would add is, I think that video, just watch it as one piece. That's a beautiful example of mental illness. Two mentally ill people talking to each other as if they don't both need severe intervention. Yeah, it was. I would, I would, I would probably say somewhat of the opposite. I think she would look down and be very proud of her son. And the reason why is he's sitting at the table. And I get, I totally understand what you mean in, in regards to facts. But your role in Martin, I've been watching you on television probably for the last, you know, two decades. You have the facts. That's your profession. Kanye West is an entertainer. He was raised on two college campuses. Here's, here's why. Yeah. Here's why I will not let him be an entertainer off the hook. That's right. right. And I see Davis was an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Ruby D was an entertainer. Right. Dick Gregory was an entertainer. Right. Harry Belafonte is an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Paul Robeson is a, was an entertainer. Right. Sidney Poitier is an entertainer. Mm-hmm. John Legend is an entertainer. Lennessy is an entertainer. Common is an entertainer. Kerry yeah, Washington is an entertainer. Right. Uh, State uh, Erica Ash is an entertainer. I can go on and on and on and name you. Jeffrey Wright is an entertainer. Hold on one second. I'm not done. Don Cheadle is an entertainer. I can go on and on and on. These are individuals who at least will attempt to read. Right. And his mother they, was an they, academic. Talk to him. He was raised right. on this, 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 this is not a guy no. who... Come on. This guy... Right. This is a guy whose mama was a college professor. And took him to class. Bruh. <laughs> I mean, you let them off the hook. Nah, no, something's wrong with that off the hook. What I'm trying to say is that what I saw... Is a person that's sitting at the table. He brought up some very important issues to the president of the United States. No, 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 no. The president of the United States talked to your point in Chicago about stop and frisk, and he said that that wouldn't probably be good for the community. What I think the stop and frisk. Who Kanye, said that? Kanye said that. Right. He said it probably. But then he be said, good. "Oh, I'm sorry to put you on blast." Rolling. Hey, no, no, here, here's my whole point. When you at the table, mm-hmm. he Kanye was not talking to him. Right. Kanye was talking to the cameras. At no point. Did Kanye say, Mr. President, in your budget, you're cutting mental health. Restore it. Mr. President, you're cutting education. Restore it. Mr. President, you came to my city two days ago and declared stop and frisk should be national policy. That, sir, is wrong. I'm here to tell you you should rescind that. Roland, that's the most I've ever heard Kanye West talk. 
before in my life. But let me. Well, actually, I've heard him talk longer than that. And I still didn't hear it. You, you gave over almost 30 minutes of your show to watch that. What I'm trying to say is when I look at that, you can look at other young men around this country, other young black men in Chicago that may have similar dreams to Kanye, that you can actually make it to the point that you're in the Oval Office. No, no, I see, like this see, point. This, see, this is, I this like is the, the point he made in regards of how he <laughs> felt and Jim Brown, how they felt in the Oval Office. But here's the deal, though. I like those you, types. You, okay, you can like how they felt in the Oval Office. Their, their but, but if, first of all, you can have your opinion. Mm -hmm. But when I'm opposite the very man mm -hmm. who has policies that are completely opposite of what I'm advocating, and I'm just happy to be there. Which is your opinion? Why point? No, 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 hold on, no, no. That's not opinion. The entire segment, bro. The entire segment was about opinion. you being right and him being wrong. No, 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 no. stop, that's stop, it. stop. That's what it was See, all about. See, here's where you're wrong. My segment was about what the details are. Right. Can you refute a single detail I offered? Yes. I Which can. one? The details about. You didn't go into the fact about fathers being in the home and what that's doing to Chicago. You never talked once. I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. Did he bring that up? Let's let me finish. No, no, wait, no, wait, wait, no, 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 no. I said, uh, hold up, you said, you said, I often, let me, let me roll back what you just said. Did you talk about hold on one second. a former president hold on one second. from Chicago? Hold on one second, this point one second. To fix you, Chicago? One second, you just said, you just said, you offered your opinion what Kanye West said. Mm -hmm. I said, I offered detailed facts to what he said. I then asked you to refute a single fact I laid out. You pivoted, because you can't do it, to something else. Now, I'm going to ask you again. Mm -hmm. I want you to refute a single fact I laid out. Let me give you an example. When you went to Ford's, when you did your one Google search and probably went to the first article you saw on Google. No, actually, actually, I, I saw it uh, three days ago when Ford actually put it out there. Right. But my point was a billion dollars. But my point is, he mentioned about Ford having the best cars, had a vision. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. What's, what's, what's absolutely wrong with that? But point? I laid out the context that while you're saying Ford should have these great designs, Ford also is losing a billion dollars due to the man across from him's terrace. So maybe, so it, have, can you think but about that potentially? Ford has an issue with being able to do that. But you can't have these great designs losing a billion dollars laying people off Roland. who look like me and you because of his terrace. When Henry Ford created the Model T, he lost a lot of money too. Dude! You just missed what I just said. You just missed what I said. Because of the president. Yeah, I just said <laughs> he's been losing a million <laughs> right. because of right. the Paris imposed by Trump. Well, the, and you want to go to, to the Mount T? And then Roland, everything you talked about, every single thing that you talked about, it does not, you always blame the president. My point is, every no, budget, when you mentioned the education budget, yep. The ed education, charter schools, that's not all federal money. The federal government is not the single most funder of all these things. Okay. You missed First, the fact okay. that we have nonprofits, we have community leaders, no, 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 hold we on. have businesses. Hold up, bro, the federal bro, government hold up, bro. is not the hold end up, all bro. be all. Did you do your research? Yes. You did? Yes. Who created school choice of the Black Choice Initiative? What does that have to do no, with what you're I, I don't know the answer to that question. Who created school choice is the Black Choice Initiative? I don't have an answer to you that. you looking question. at them. Don't you dare try to educate me on charter schools. Bruh. What you, I didn't I, say about no, charter schools. No, no, no. I didn't say you just mentioned charter schools. What I said was. What I'm trying to educate you on you, is. You say the, because of the budget, it's Trump. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That's, no, not, no, what no. That's not what about. I said. That's, That's not, not what I said. What I said is, if you're going to come into the Oval Office, sitting across from the president, and laying out your grand vision, I'm saying the same man who's sitting there smiling at you, mm -hmm. looking at you, cutting education budget. Cutting mental health, 
putting more people in prison, getting rid of Trump consent decrees. More people in prison? Did you not see the Attorney General Jeff Sessions rescinded the order of Eric Holder to telling prosecutors you should go after the full penalty when trying to convict people? Scott, you're a lawyer. Am I right or wrong? And a former prosecutor, and he certainly did. And the other point that you made that made a lot of sense had to do with these orders regarding uh, reforming the police department based on prior police brutality. You know, on one hand, Roland, you have a half hour to break it down. You're right about the the reporters not being there, but the reporters weren't educated. But let me give you my take. I, I watched this, and it was cringeworthy. I thought about my father, who was a retired judge. I thought about every civil rights leader who's ever saved this country, who's challenged the presidents, whether it was Martin Luther King or Roy Wilkins. And the point that each of them made, while the presidents in their time agreed with them, each president, including Delano Roosevelt, for example, told Roy Wilkins, I agree with everything you told Philip me. Randolph. A. Philip Randolph. I agree with everything you've said about the American Negro with housing, health care, family, and so forth and so on. Now, make me now do go it. make me do it. Now, go make me do it. But it was cringeworthy because I thought about what a minstrel series this was and the power of this press conference being broadcast by by Trump and watching uh, this uh, popular rap star perform with ignorance and with submission and with all that we don't stand for as people of color. Now watch this. Now white America looks at that yes, and defines us. Press corps Listen to me. <laughs> defines right. us That's right. through the prism of what they saw right. with Kanye West. In I fact, am not Conway in fact, in fact, I am educated. In I'm fact, at the top of the legal industry. Right. And I don't represent that. And had I been at the White House, I would never go. But if I had been at the White House, Roland, I'm here to tell you that that litany of concerns would have been there. I would have read and researched and been prepared to challenge and yet my invitation, if I wasn't allowed them to use me, that invitation would have been revoked. And in fact, that's right. when I looked at social media and I saw all these conservatives, <laughs> oh, that's right, Kanye is not on the plantation. He's speaking his mind. I, dude, bro, I know and I've been knowing black conservatives my entire life. Okay? Knowing them. Friends with them. Who embarrassed by that? Sure. It's not a question sure. of do you have a seat at the table. Right. The question is, what you saying when you at the table? Exactly. Now, if you have a seat at the table, exactly. and you speaking gibberish and nonsense, well, then all you've done is wasted the seat at the table. That's right. Don't respond to something. It's all right, Scott, right. I agree with you. When I watch that, what I thought about, I thought about my 91-year-old grandmother. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm a father of four. I'm at the top of my field. I'm educated as well. I have four beautiful daughters that are home looking at me right now that are proud of their father. And my point is, what I'm trying to say is that my great-grandmother, she would have been proud of the fact that she's proud of me now because I have a seat at the table. And to your point, when you say you wouldn't go to the White House, that's just a, that's a cultural shift that we've seen in the past couple of years of, you know, athletes and other entertainers that say they don't want to seat at the table. If Dr. Martin Luther King... Who? Can I, can I finish? No, no, name them. We've had teams, the Golden State Warriors, we've had the Cleveland Cavaliers say that they will not go to the No, 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 hold on, stop, stop. You just said 
at least entertain us at a seat at the table. Going to the White House and holding a jersey is not a seat at the table. And in Bro. fact, you mentioned A. Philip Randolph. Let me go ahead and quote. Can I, so, can I finish my, my, my hold last on, Hold on, I'm going to quote the table. I'm going to quote the table so you have context. Sure, so. A. Philip Randolph, Randolph said this. Yes. At the banquet table of nature, there are no reserved seats. You get what you can take. And you keep what you can hold. If you can't take anything, you won't get anything. If you can't hold anything, you won't keep anything. And you can't take anything without organization. Explain to me having a seat at the table and you got nothing to say when you lay all these things out and literally right. the person across from you stands in direct opposition to everything you just said. My great-grandmother, she was an A. Philip Randolph, but she was born in 1901. She couldn't read or write. But she can count money like no one else. And she left a legacy for her children. And I respect that woman from Memphis. And what I would say is, she always told me, you always take the seat at the table because you have an opportunity. If people would have, Martin Luther King Jr. would have said the same thing about Lyndon Johnson, who many have said he was a known and open racist. I'm not going to sit across the table from him and work for the betterment bro, of black people. Hold on, bro, bro, bro. Because Bruh, do I need to do I need to play some audio tapes of what of what MLK said when he was at in the room? He was he had a seat at the table. No, 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 no. He was in see, the room. This, see, this, see, no, no. The see, this is the mistake you keep making. You keep focusing on I had a seat. Mm -hmm. No, not enough. The issue ain't the seat. Mm -hmm. It's what you see when you're in the seat. You can't sit here and say what MLK did because when he went into the room, first of all, he had a plan of action before he walked in. Right. Not only that, he knew the person across from him Bro. what his plan of action. Bro, if you think he I'm said to compare Kanye West, well, hell, you brought MLK up. But it's I, am, I am talking about the fact that during this process, mm -hmm. the men to my right were chuckling and were laughing. But someone has access in the seat of the table That's rolling. Not, not you funny. have been it's the White MPS. House. Hold on. You have been right. And guess what? So right. I went to the White House right. and asked, what's your plan for Chicago? And rolling. I would expect that. What do you think? You. But what do you I would expect that. What, what was his answer? I would expect that. And from what, 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 you think I what did I say what his West? answer was? Strike. Rolling. I said, no, no, no. no. I, I, I told you what his answer was. How offended are you when I asked the question, what's your plan for Chicago? And he went, strength. I'm not offended by that. Well, Donald Trump is... Well, is that a plan? No, it's not a plan. What was Barack Obama's or George Bush's at, plan for Chicago? Let's just look at... What was, what was Rahm Emanuel's real, real plan? Real quick, real quick. The uh, President Obama's... Uh, so you so you fine with the president saying, my plan is strength? I am fine with the fact that President, that president Trump seems to be doing something to address this hold issue. Up, don't, that wait, we, don't do it. Hold up, 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 really? Don't do it. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold this is the evidence. No, one second. Where's the evidence? This is the evidence. We are talking about it today. For the past Hold up. That's the evidence? For the past 10 years. That's the evidence? Bringing a spotlight. Let me ask you a question. When has Donald Trump, since he's been president, even before he was running, when did he go to Chicago to address the issues? You said while he was running? Has he been president? Has Donald Trump gone to Chicago specifically to community folks address the issue of violence in Chicago? I haven't seen that yet, and that's something that I would say to the president if I was looking him dead in the face. I would like to see more Maybe action. Maybe should have brought it up. I, I, want to I, I, just, I, just, I just say very quickly, there are two ways for black people to get into the Oval Office. One is by invitation because they somehow can be used by the person sitting there. Or exploited. Well, yeah, or exploited. Mm -hmm. The other reason is because they're unavoidable. No, you left, hey, you left the third one. What's that third They worked there. 
Oh, oh, now that's true. Oh, yeah, the Butlers. Yeah, no I question. Was and, and in fact, what yeah, Donald Trump said, the, pur the purpose of this meeting was lunch. But anyway, let's set that to a side. Uh, your, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, 1901, mm -hmm. yep. Memphis, I'm from Nashville. About a year, uh, two years after your great-grandmother was born, Booker T. Washington was invited to the White House by Theodore Roosevelt, an open mm -hmm. racist. Mm -hmm. And the white press went apoplectic. The reason that he was invited was because Booker T. Washington was seen as the spokesperson for the entire race. Mm -hmm. He had been propped up by Cornelius Vanderbilt, Andrew Carnegie, so on and so on. It wasn't because Roosevelt uh, somehow liked Booker T. Washington. He was the guy who was on the table to negotiate. Let's go back in time. Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass invited to the White House. Why? Because Lincoln needed Douglass to help him win the war. Let's come forward in time. Another racist, uh, Woodrow Wilson. When Monroe Trotter went to the White House, he blasted Wilson so tough that Wilson literally threw him out of the White House. Right. Let's come forward a little bit more to Franklin Roosevelt and now talk about Avila Randolph, who, of course, was there because he told Roosevelt, I'm going to shut Washington down with a march on Washington, which forced uh, Roosevelt to sign Executive Order 8802, which opened up jobs in the war industry, which is why which is why Kanye's people and people in Detroit and Oakland and Portland ended up in those cities, in those integrated jobs to get those jobs that are not there now and because the military. industrialization collapsed them. But let's talk about, I want to talk about a woman, Mary McClyde Bethune. Miss Bethune is in the Oval Office through mostly through Eleanor Roosevelt because she said, when I come in here, I'm representing the entire race. I have an agenda. Kanye West was in that room for one purpose, to adorn Donald Trump's fever dream. That man has no business in the White House. He was there because Donald Trump could use him. He's a useful idiot. Jim Brown was in the room because Jim Brown hasn't criticized Donald Trump. But if you listen carefully to what Jim Brown said, he said, I'm not asking for anything. We can criticize him on that. But when you look at his American stuff, you look at his attempted gang intervention, right. he's an iconoclastic guy. But one thing's for sure, Jim Brown don't want nothing from Donald Trump. Yeah. This other guy, Kanye West, it, he's a rapper. But if you look now, T.I. came out against him. The other hip hop chance to rap from Chicago. Actually, 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 when they had the criminal justice reform uh, summit there, they invited Ti. Ti said, "Oh, I'll come if I could bring Farrakhan." Come on, brother. Mm -hmm. They didn't invite him. But hold on one second. You said your <laughs> ninety-one. Brown, oh, you said your ninety-one year old grandmother from Tennessee, huh? Yeah. Gotcha. You ever heard of Dorothy Cooper? Uh oh. No, I haven't. Dorothy Cooper was a ninety-six year old black woman in Tennessee mm -hmm. who, in two thousand twelve election, couldn't vote. Mm. You know why she couldn't vote? Because Republicans passed their voter ID law, and she had to have her marriage certificate, which she could not find because she got married by 50-plus years earlier. <laughs> now, how would your grandmother feel about that when the person you're, he's sitting across from supports voter suppression? How would you feel that right now in Georgia mm -hmm. that the Secretary of State in Georgia, Republican Brian Kemp, 1.4 million uh, re uh, registrations he's thrown out right now. Some 53,000 voter registrations he's holding up. 70% of them African-American, Republican. Mm -hmm. How would you feel about the Republican Secretary of State in Missouri who just got admonished by a federal judge who ran a commercial telling folk they had to bring their voter ID to vote, mm -hmm. and the federal judge said that was a lie. How do you feel about a conservative Supreme Court who just affirmed a voter ID initiative in North Dakota, which said that you had to have a physical address, not a P.O. box, with some several thousand Native Americans, the folks who were here before white folks. Don't, they live on the reservation, don't have a physical address. And so here you got Kanye, because I didn't hear anybody bring up voter suppression. I didn't hear anybody bring up Trump 
Why are you supporting policies and why is your party and uh, McDaniel, the GOP chairwoman, why are you supporting efforts to, to deny black folks the right to vote? Why did your attorney general, Jeff Sessions, go side with the side of Texas when five federal judges mm -hmm. ruled that their voter ID initiative disenfranchised 600,000 people who look like you and me and Latinos? Mm -hmm. That's the same person he hugged with, I love you, guy. So you tell me this. If you're going to have a seat at the table, are you going to bring voter suppression up? Well, we can start calling the Big Mama because that's her name. We don't have to say that. I right there. So we can start calling the Big Mama. But let me first say this. Let me first say this. I hope no one misconstrues the fact that I am trying to compare any of the men that you mentioned to Kanye West because they're not. But let me tell you what my what Big Mama would have told me. And let me show you the example that she said. On voting day, she got away to the polls. She could not drive. She could not read. She did cannot wrote. She did you skip what I said? No. You asked me a question about what she would say. I'm telling you. I am telling you. Dorothy Cooper wanted to go to the polls. Can I finish? Dorothy Cooper voted her entire life. But she was denied the right to vote because of Republican voter suppression efforts. You you asked me a question. I'm giving you the response of what my great question is. But you didn't answer the question. I'm asking the question. She made sure, and before anybody took her to the polls, months before, she made sure everything and was buttoned up from her end. And she Bruh, always told us. Did you us not just hear what I said? They said you need your marriage certificate. Oh, and the woman got married like 60 years earlier. Right, right, right. What are you talking about? Right. No. Do you know how many old? When I blame do you know how many old people in Wisconsin, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida? him beautifully. May I just add that here's one of the great voices in America, Dr. Martin Luther King. Is there any seniority? <laughs> well, he makes it clear 
uh, sometimes consciously and sometimes unconsciously, that he is the pastor. <laughs> right, and I'm the co-pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. King, of course, lives in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And there she are... is from Alabama originally, but... Uh, and children? Back. Yes, we have four children. Ah. What would, the, what would their ages be, Doctor? Eleven, uh, nine, six, and four. We have two girls and two boys. Are they in school? In yes, uh, they're all in school in Atlanta. Even the, the youngest uh, is in nursery school, but the others are all in uh, the public school system of Atlanta, the other three. How is Atlanta doing? And the I whole state Atlanta of Georgia? Atlanta is doing uh, pretty well. I would uh, say that Atlanta is probably the most progressive city in race relations in the South. Now, that doesn't mean that we have all problems solved in Atlanta. It suffers from the same problems that uh, all of our major cities are facing today. We have uh, serious economic problems in the Negro community. And although the uh, middle class in the Negro community faces a degree of prosperity, uh, the masses of Negroes confront the same poverty and deprivation that we would find in any city. But uh, at least there is a responsive city government in Atlanta. And the Negroes in the fortunate position of really having the balance of power politically uh, in Atlanta. And this makes a great difference. We have, uh, for instance, in the state legislature of Georgia, uh, ten Negroes. Uh, and I think nine are from the Atlanta area, and this is because of the political power of the Negro and the power of the Negro vote in Atlanta. Often, Dr. King, when there is, when there has been uh, violence in a certain city, for some reason that I'm not sure of, you have been blamed. <laughs> Am I right? In Chicago, some of the blame was put on you, and still you have never advocated violence I know now you are absolutely against it why do they blame you well I think it is because of uh, our wrong analysis of events and of history mm -hmm. and of circumstances it so happens that many demonstrations that I lead uh, end up in violence in the sense that we are demonstrated, uh, demonstrating rather, are inflicted with violence. And I always say that you can't blame nonviolent uh, demonstrators who are demonstrating for their constitutional rights uh, when violence erupts. This would be like blaming uh, the robbed man uh, for the evil act of robbery because his possession of wealth or money precipitates the act. Society must always condemn uh, the robber and protect the robbed. Uh, another analogy would be, and I saw this very clearly in Chicago last summer when we were demonstrating around the whole issue of open housing. And as we marched into uh, certain areas that were lily white areas and that denied Negroes the right to live in those areas, uh, we were confronted with a massive violence. Bottles and bricks were thrown at us. We were often beaten, and yet they, uh, they, they 
caused us, or rather they called us the originators of the violence. And I always said that uh, this is like looking at a physician uh, who, through his uh, skills, through his uh, medical ingenuity, uh, discovers cancer in a patient and blaming the doctor for causing the cancer. Uh, it's usually the other way around. We praise the physician for using his ingenuity uh, to bring out into the open something that uh, needed to be discovered and something that can be cured if it is caught uh, early enough. And this is exactly what we have done. We can't be blamed for the violence that uh, emerges. We really brought it out in the open. We brought the evil conditions, the cancerous disease of racism uh, out in the open and far from being the cause of it, uh, we are merely the catalytic agents bringing it out for everybody to see so that the society can cure it. Well said. We're going to take a break and come back and talk Dr. King, if we could, about the civil rights, where it is today, where it's going, and that'll be in one minute. We'll be right back. This book is titled, Where Do We Go From Here, Dr. King. Uh, can you tell us, first of all, where we've been and how far we've come? Well, I would say generally we have made... Uh significant strides. There's no doubt about the fact that we've come a long, long way since the days of slavery and since the days of rigid uh, segregation. And uh, one of the things that we can joyously point out is that legal segregation is dead today. Uh, if one travels through the South today, he sees a different South from the South of uh, even five years ago. As a result of the Civil Rights Bill, segregation has ended in public accommodations and uh, many other areas of life. Uh, now, this is one side of the picture and a very important side, and it demonstrates that we've had uh, many legislative and judicial victories that, uh, in a sense, changed the architecture of Southern society. But now we're faced uh, with, in a sense, greater problems. We're faced with hard economic uh, problems, which uh, are much more difficult to solve. It's much uh, easier to eradicate uh, segregation, for instance, on buses or in public accommodations, than it is to eradicate slums. It's much easier to guarantee the right to vote than it is to create jobs. And we are in a phase of the struggle now, which is really a struggle for genuine equality, a struggle to get rid of poverty, to uh, eradicate slums, to get rid of the syndrome of deprivation surrounding uh, slum life and economic insecurity. And this is where we must go now. We've come a long, long way in the sense that We've ended legal segregation, but we still have a long, long way to go to solve the basic economic problem that Negroes confront. What has the civil rights movement done to the Negro individually from his side? Well, I think the greatest thing that it has done is that it has given the Negro a new sense of dignity, a new sense of uh, somebodyness, and uh, 
This is maybe the greatest victory that we have won, uh, turning away from the external changes that have come about. I think the greatest thing that has taken place is the internal change in the psyche uh, of the Negro, and the Negro has a sense of pride now that he's desperately uh, needed all along, and uh, he is able to stand up and uh, feel that he is a man, and I think this is the only way ultimately to solve the the real problem and the problem that we must grapple with in the future. The Negro has straightened his back up, so to speak, and uh, you can't ride a man's back unless he's bent. And by straightening up his back, uh, he's made it possible to move on in the future and uh, make greater gains. And I'm not at all pessimistic about the future because I think the Negro has a kind of determination and I think there are numerous allies in the white community with the same kind of determination and with this kind of creative and constructive coalition, we can move forward even to solve these more difficult problems that I've mentioned. Angela Davis? Mommy? Who? Talk to me. I'm Tony Brown, executive producer of Black Journal. Welcome to Black Leaders 73. This program has been pre-recorded, and you will not be able at this time to phone in any questions. The questions that you hear were directed in some instances to specific panelists, and in other instances they were not. Some of the panelists had not been advertised, and we do not have a number of questions for them. However, they have been encouraged to answer any questions, no matter to whom they are directed. For the next 90 minutes, we will present an unedited two-way communication system between you and our Congress of Black Spokesmen. We will be using television as an instrument of positive social reform allowing black America to question members of her leadership and make herself heard collectively. Our guests are Judge William Booth, President, American Committee on Africa, Hayward Burns, National Director, National Conference of Black Lawyers, Berkeley Burrell, President, National Business League, Stokely Carmichael, All African People's Revolutionary Party, Angela Davis, National United Committee to Free All Political Prisoners, Fannie Lou Hamer, Director, Mississippi Freedom Farm Cooperation, Nelson Johnson, National Chairman, Youth Organization for Black Unity, William Lucy, International Secretary-Treasurer, American Federation of Federal, State, County, and Municipal Employees, and the Chairman of the Steering Committee of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists. The Honorable Percy Sutton, President of the Borough of Manhattan. The Honorable Louis Stokes, Democrat of Ohio God and damn, Chairman of the Congressional Black easy. Caucus. What the fuck? J. Williams, Jr., President, National Association of Black Social Workers. 
and James D. Williams, National Urban League. One of our panelists was unable to be with us and wired us his regrets. The following telegram is from Mr. Stanley Scott, Special Assistant to the President of the United States. Imagine we'll that. Telegram. I ain't fucking with y'all niggas. That I must cancel my appearance on your show because of an assignment recently given me on behalf of the President. Right. I would welcome the pleasure of being your guest at a later date. With every best wishes for a very successful show, Stanley S. Scott, Special Assistant to the President. Indeed, there are many other black spokesmen, but our physical and technical capabilities have limited us. We do want the public to understand that our black leadership does include persons not on this panel. Motherfucker, it took you to continue to three expose minutes more of our leaders to say their name. That means you just named off 180 motherfuckers. In selecting Shut tonight's panel, up. we attempted to bring together a diversity of positions and philosophies held together by the common thread of concern for all black people. May we now have our first question. Black Leader 73, I have to tell you that we are recording your question, and we need your permission to record it and to edit it and to put it on the air. You, you have my, my permission to do that. My name is Carl Smith from Lawton, Oklahoma, a pluralistic society in which all ethnic and racial minorities try to contribute to the mainstream and still retain their cultural identity is often advocated as a desirable goal for our country. My question is, is it a realistic goal? Is it possible? And if not, why? If you didn't understand that question, I can read it to you again. He said, uh, um, a pluralistic society in which all ethnic and racial minorities try to contribute to the mainstream and still retain their cultural identity is often advocated as a desirable goal for our country. My question is, is it a realistic goal? Is it possible? And if so, and if not, why? Well, that's one of the diversities, I guess, that we have among black people. I hate to say black leaders because I don't think of ourselves as black leaders. I don't think any people need leaders. Uh, we are working in the field and we're doing our job. But there is the diverse opinion. Some folks believe yeah, that really you can good. work within the system and you can make the system work for you, for you. Others believe you can't work within the system, you've got to have something else. I happen to be one of those who believes that although we have not progressed as we should have, and that the great masses of the people have not at all uh, been able to use their inert talents, uh, the talents they've gotten that have, not been, that have been hidden by reason of cultural bias and examinations and all the rest that's happened to us through the years, that although the masses of the people have not tasted the success okay, that is I'm available done. here in this country, I mean, still I believe 